Welcome to Conversations from the Edge of Consciousness. I'm your host, Christine Madeira. For me, and possibly for you, the inner world of consciousness has always been much more real and way more fun than the so-called real material world. Growing up, I thought I was alone in this, but I'm not. There are a lot of us, and far too many have no one to talk to who shares this experience. I've been lucky to cultivate a community of friends who love to talk about the energies, ideas, and vibrations that are pushing the edges of our own consciousness, as well as our collective consciousness. In Conversations from the Edge, we share our conversations with you. Hello, this is Christine Madeira, and welcome to Conversations from the Edge. I'm here again with Katie Kiefer, and Katie Kiefer is our Theta Healer Extraordinaire and um, a Soul Realignment Specialist. So welcome, Katie. Thank you for having me. These are always uh, so much fun. Oh my gosh, they're always a riot. Um, <laughs> and so tell us a little bit about what you do, and particularly the, the mix of how you bring together the soul realignment and um, the Theta healing, because I think it's really fascinating, and it, probably, it speaks to what we're going to talk about today. Soul realignment really is about getting your soul profile and knowing um, who you are at soul level, how you operate, what your soul specializations are, um, how you're designed to manifest. Theta healing actually like saved my sanity. Mm-hmm. It absolutely did because I was in such a place of trauma myself and had given away so much. And I did so much work with that. I've been doing it for a little over seven years now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having learned it and I'm able to do it for myself, it's, it's been massive. It's huge energy work. It's changing belief systems, removing programs, we can remove implants. I mean, we can clear karmic patterns, though when it comes to the karmic patterns from the soul level, I will use what I learned in soul realignment to obtain like the details to get, okay, what's the pattern, what's going on that we might not get to with digging um, in theta healing. And, yeah, so, and it's really all about reorganizing your life from the what, who you have learned to be and what you yeah. have learned to be, to being the fresh expression of yourself in each moment from your place of choice. Absolutely. And really like the most recent thing that's come up to, to kind of put it in a nutshell is really reclaim the truth of who you are and play life by your own soul's rules. Yeah. I saw that on your website. I thought, Oh, I love that. So, and that's absolutely true. And that is really kind of leads into sort of what we were um, talking about talking about today and that was really the shift from operating from conclusion and outcome mm-hmm. to operating from process and creation in the moment. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's kind of what you're, yeah, the journey. And that's what your work is, is really about because we're all wired to operate from outcome in the sense that we're wired about what to believe, about how to believe the world works, about what's true about us and about other people. We have this whole template um, in our brain and our nervous system and our body that is kind of a, a a construction, a mental construction, an emotional construction of the world. And we Mm -hmm. live in that construction and we operate based on the conclusions in that construction. And once you begin to dismantle that construction and we're doing that, you know, as a society with all Mm -hmm. externally, with all of our, all of our institutions and things, but we do that internally as well. When you let go of those constructions, you're really able to live the truth of who you are. And that, I think, is the beauty of your work. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. 
And so we were going to talk a little bit about like the rise of the process oriented people. <laughs> yes. And I'm process oriented and so, and so are you. I. You are actually more process oriented than I am. I got yours done, by the way. Oh, really? Um, okay. That, I'm yeah. interested to hear about that. Yeah, um, but that wasn't what our, our meeting today was about, but I've No, got so it. let's actually start by talking about the difference, because I think some people might not know the difference between the process and outcome oriented. So from your perspective, um, kind of explain that. Okay, so um, process and outcome oriented is like, this is a spectrum. So at one extreme end, there's process, and on the other extreme end is outcome, but it's all part of the same spectrum. And so actually outcome is easier um, for people to grasp because that's what we are taught mm -hmm. that's what we're taught in schools we are taught very much that set your goal and go for it the ends justify the means mm -hmm. you know as long as all of the steps you're taking are in alignment with that outcome doesn't matter take them push through go get it done and you'll get yes. there and another thing I want to add to about outcome, because this is kind of where I come from with outcome as well, is that when you're an outcome, you have already decided what is real and yes. you organize your life and everything that you do toward that version mm -hmm. of reality. So if your version, yeah. if you're, if you're an ideological person, this is where ideology is just nightmarish because if you decide an ideology is true, then regardless of what's happening in your system, in your life, in your relationships, in your bank account, in your this, if that's true, you can, you know, you, you change everything that's going on in your life to fit that idea or that construct or that outcome. And that's another way of being outcome oriented. That's not necessarily goal oriented. Cause I think for people who aren't necessarily think of themselves as goal oriented can still be outcome oriented in that sense. But yeah, yeah, and it's, we are really collectively conditioned mm -hmm. toward the outcome. And that's been a problem for me. And I've, you know, if you're process oriented at soul level and it, outcome oriented people just do not grasp it. They, they, I mean, especially when we're talking about, you know, as we were children with very unconscious parents, Mm -hmm. they just, they didn't know it's what they were taught, even if it's, it has never worked for them. Because <laughs> if, if you are process oriented and you just push through and behave as though you're outcome oriented, mm -hmm. you are going to hate the whole process and you're going to hate what you get. And there's, it, it's really a resentment builder. Well, I think one reason we are so outcome oriented is that when you have an outcome, this is a whole, this is like the human condition, right? When you have an outcome that you have decided is true, even if everything that you're going through to support that outcome is hideous, it is more tolerable because it's just a certainty to it. Where when right. you're process oriented, and, and I want you to describe what process oriented it is so people can recognize themselves if they're on that side of the spectrum. But if you're process oriented, then um, we still have to dismantle all the constructions, but we're much more comfortable with that because we tend to be more comfortable in the uncertainty of the process because the, I mean, the process becomes its own, the, the journey of the process becomes its own rhythm and its own peacefulness and its own 
playground and the uncertainty in that in the process unfolding there's a certain amount of comfort in that that when you think about that in terms of like relationships or you know global things or the external world can seem really really um, scary yeah yeah it can i hadn't considered that before because when you're when you're dealing with outcome oriented there's like a very defined goal Mm -hmm. whereas when you're going through the process and you're more in the process there is a much larger area of the unknown yes and there's a lot more cooperation that requ- that's required between people uh, that's to be true. That. if you've ever been to um any kind of like a wisdom circle or i like my my whole graduate degree program was really around the the model of adult education and consensus building and rather than sitting in a classroom and receiving information it was about the exploration and expansion of information and consensus and all of this stuff and sometimes like you're just like listening you're going oh my god <laughs> this is so slow you know yeah. and, and we just have like an outcome that we can go toward and just set me free you know it can feel really arduous like, and and when you're when you're a process-oriented person and we still need to talk about what that is it, it is that con- that consistent unwinding of consistent unwinding and then consistent new awarenesses coming in sort of that dance that comes in Mm -hmm. and it's kind of ongoing and when it's in your energy and you're doing it for yourself i mean it 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 makes goals really far away in some in some cases because you know you go slower toward those things um it's much more satisfying and yeah but but when you're in groups and you're doing this as as a society or even in small groups like whether it's in a church or in a, a pta or you know in a book group for you know trying to come up with a consensus on the next book sometimes those things can be really arduous and so i can see why as a society um outcome oriented is just kind of the default because you know it, it bypasses all of this stuff, but it also creates all mm-hmm. of these systemic problems that that we end up with when we don't actually work through the process. Uh, that's true. That's very true. So, can you explain from again from your perspective what is process oriented um, individually, and then how how does that work so people can recognize themselves? So, process oriented is all about the journey. Mm-hmm. It's about um, loving what you're doing. It's loving. It's about how you go about getting what you want. So like one good way to, to mention this, um, would be like with gardening, I would love to have a beautiful garden. Mm -hmm. I don't have a green thumb for one. Um, my mother had, my mother can grow just about anything. She was known as a plant doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did not receive that and naturally. But, and I've worked in gardens. I've tilled it up and like from fresh ground, I've, I've done a lot. And I don't like the work of it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like to sweat. You know, mm-hmm. I don't mind a little bit. I mean, I don't want to be out there all day, every day in the summer doing that. It's not something I enjoy the doing of. Mm-hmm. as much as I would love to have the result. Right. And so therefore what happens is I nat- I will end up resenting it, which is not healthy. That's not going to give the plants the energy they need to grow and be beautiful and produce fruit and vegetables. It's just mm-hmm. not going to work. 
So for me to have a garden, I would need to go, okay, how do I want to do that? How do I want to set that up in a way that I will enjoy going out there Mm -hmm. where for me, it needs to be lower maintenance. Um, How can I set that up in a way that this is something I can have that I can enjoy doing. And so process is about the journey, the doing of, and also it can be, who are you becoming? So at the soul level, the, the soul may be going, who am I becoming? Yet the human aspect is very much about what am I doing? And well, and for me as well, in process, there's a particular aspect of state. Yeah. So I, the becoming is an important piece of it because the, the beauty of it is, is, you know, the moving toward the becoming without the agenda of, of the outcome. Um, but also the state of being as you are in the doing so it's it's less like outcome out outcome oriented tends to be more focused on doing and process oriented um more in the process of of being of being yeah as you're doing but i do think so when i was talking to people who were a mix of um process oriented and outcome oriented i was realizing that actually from a personal perspective this is not so much from a like a outside world perspective but from a personal perspective um, individuals who were outcome oriented, you know, they had the outcome that they wanted. And as long as it was, it was, this was, um, organic to them and they weren't pushing themselves in the outcome, because if you're a process oriented person, like you said, pushing yourself to an outcome, you know, that is like, you know, Dante's sixth version of hell. Yeah. But if you are an, if you're really an outcome oriented person, the thing that really excites you about the outcome oftentimes is not having that thing. It is being the person who has that thing. So you're still process oriented, but you orient yourself in the process by the outcome. Process oriented people may or may not have an outcome that they're working toward. And usually it's more of an outcome of being like, I want to be this person. Right. Um, And so I'm going to go through all of the delicious aspects of becoming that person. And I may or may not actually achieve the things that 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 kind of person would achieve because that mm-hmm. wasn't really the point of it the point of right. it was becoming yeah yeah the, the point is the flowing through and who are you being who are you becoming that yeah that is a really great way to put it and you know what's really interesting and when i first heard this in the trainings i went oh that makes so much sense to me process oriented people will often sabotage themselves. And I know I have done this and I bet you mm-hmm. have too. Oh, I'm no. We I can have. really sabotage ourselves because we are so much in the doing and being that we, and we're like, oh, this is so great. We don't want the outcome because then the doing and being stops. <laughs> so it's like- I know we to, need to become better at, at like changing it, changing the new process or something. We need to have, before we get to the outcome, we need to have the groundwork for the next thing. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, whereas, because really for, for, an, for a process person, it's very much once you get there, then it's like, you know, fishing bags at the end of Nemo going, now what? Yeah. Because there's nothing in front of us. So we need to have something lined up to, or, or an, at least options to say, okay, where do I want to go next? What's the next thing I want to experience? 
not so much the next thing I want to create. So a, a really good way of putting this is once the creations are complete and it's done, the outcome mm -hmm. person is going to say, look at what I made. And the process person is going to go look at what I did or who I am. Exactly. And so, and to, to, to speak of intangible ways, like especially physical, tangible things that are, have been made, mm -hmm. um, an outcome a person is more likely to say, look at what I made. A process person is going to be more likely to say, look at what I did with the whole knowing of who they needed to be in that process and outcome oriented. It's not, the, and there is a whole middle ground. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is, I mean, you can land smack dab in the middle of the spectrum, which means you really need it. You need the balance of both. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, understanding how you're wired to operate at soul level, just because you're wired to operate a particular way at soul level does not mean that that's how you actually show up. And right. this one, this is a really good spectrum to highlight that because we are taught to pick your goal, go for it, do mm -hmm. what it takes to get there. And if, if you're outcome oriented, that's very supportive. But if you're process oriented, it's very disorienting, actually. Well, and from a human design perspective, and not to in interject this, I don't want to go deep into human design, but from a human design perspective, if people have heard of that, only about seven or eight percent of people are wired to do the whole outcome goal oriented thing successfully. Um, it is not a high percentage, but they do it so well and it looks so mm -hmm. easy that we all get sucked into thinking that's how it's done. But that's it's it, and it's also easy to see how it's done because uh -huh. it's it's done you know, very methodically in the external world where most people and the inner work is done along the way, but that's not seen. Right. Um, whereas, you know, the process people, you don't see, you often don't see the outcome until, until you get there. Right. Um, you know, cause the process is, so we all look like we're little tortoises, but what, you know what they say about the tortoise and the hare. So what actually, where, where we got to this topic was that you had this insight that, the outcome that the time for outcome oriented people or the for not outcome oriented people because we're always going to have we're always going to need them but people oh, yeah. an outcome oriented society where all of our systems and our our focus is on you know starting from the outcome and doing things to to support the outcome being outcome oriented in how we design ourselves as a system and as a society is fading and the mm -hmm. rise of the process-oriented people. Um, and, and one of the things we talked about before we hopped on is that um, for outcome-oriented people, or for process-oriented people, um, we are, you know, we are present moment people. We're, we're really, if you're, if you're operating from outcome, you've got a preconceived notion about how things are supposed to be. And, you know, if you look at our systems, when we do that, they don't often function the way that we think they're supposed to be because mostly it's human beings and we, we do weird things. And so things um, don't line up, you know, along how we think they're supposed to be. But process-oriented people are, are kind of open systems that as people come in or as, as, as new things happen, we're able to bring that into the process. Right. And work from the present moment. And that, that skill set, that ability is really what's going to be moving us forward in the future. So mm -hmm. you had brought that up. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, do you have any more insight on that? Um, you know, 
you had a really good response to that was that it's more feminine mm -hmm. and we hear a lot about you know the rise of the divine feminine mm -hmm. um and so there is a balance that's happening and i hadn't considered that the feminine that the that there's also just an element of masculine feminine energy involved with this until you said that and it's like there there may i really think there's room for that i'm not really sure how they fit together but um and i don't want to focus too much on that but it's, mm -hmm. there's very much i think we are coming back into balance and because we need all of it because it's the idea of like when we look at the way the world is and what some of these um like movements are moving toward mm -hmm. i can really get behind the ideals mm -hmm. but i can't get behind how they're doing it right i mean this whole idea of we want people to have health care and be sheltered and people to have you know the basic human needs met right i absolutely get behind that completely 100%. I cannot get behind doing that in any way, shape or form that infringes on free will. And so right. there's, it's the ideals. I'm like, I, I agree completely, but we, I think we really need to assess how we're getting there. So it's like, we have this generalized outcome. How are we going to get there in a way that is truly honoring of so many individuals and their free will. And I do take a little bit of a selective look at this because they're well, and two with, with the, um, the, the very quick rise in awareness around trauma mm -hmm. is actually helping because a lot of people are just responding from places of trauma and it's that knee jerk reaction. And, um, there's just so many moving parts. So as a collective, I do think that the, it's like we're, we're in the middle of a shakedown mm -hmm. between these are the outcomes we want. Now, how are we going to get there? And we've got to pay attention to the process because if we don't pay attention to the process, we're not going to be able to get to that outcome or it will only shift from this group of people to that group of people, which right. still leaves us I in the same that. energy. And that's where, that's where we tend, like with the Me Too movement and different, mm -hmm. and the, the woke movement and things, it's often sort of a shifting from, you know, from, from one victim to another victim. And then we talk about things in terms also of like, who's going to pay for it? <laughs> so yeah, that's um, the other thing. So there's, and this, and that is actually a whole different conversation, but it speaks to this one in the sense that, you know, right now, oftentimes the highest value is the dollar value. So the highest value is like, how, how much is this going to cost and who's going to pay for it versus right. how do, how do we house everybody who chooses to be housed in a way that where money serves that purpose versus a way that like you know that purpose serves money right and so it's sort of the flipping of the values and, and you're expanding that a little bit or a lot to how do we actually achieve um housing for those who choose to have it or health care or whatever and i've got my own issues with the whole health care thing but um how do we how do we allow everybody access to those things and and, and house everybody that chooses to house it again, without infringing upon um, their, 
their free yeah, will, but also, yeah. but also in a way that serves the benefit of all. Because right. allowing a person who chooses to be homeless um, to do that in any way that they choose can infringe upon other people's free will and, and rights. So there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's this larger conversation, and I think it, it does require, uh, and, and the idea around trauma is really good because oftentimes when we're in trauma, and we've all been exposed to trauma, it just, you know, it, just living in... Um, in a human body. Um, I mean, birth is trauma, right? So yeah. everything can be, it can be, well, and the whole idea, well, anyway, I'm not going to go into that, but so anything, um, we all have traumas and it resets our brain to react in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And so when we can recognize that in ourselves and one another and begin to create processes of being with one another, where we cannot enshrine the trauma, um, and, you know, cause you know, the whole thing about the self-righteous victim, that if I'm a victim, nobody, nobody can say anything bad about me because I'm a victim. Like, right. so I've become a professional victim and you know, everything I say is okay because I'm a victim. Um, so without enshrining victimhood, but, you know, recognizing that we all have a sh- shared experiences of trauma, even if our traumas are different so that we can come from a place of mutual understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and the process of coming toward um, toward mutual beneficial mutually beneficial outcomes versus mm-hmm. you know a top down outcome or an outcome that right. you know just sweeps all the homeless people off the streets and then it looks better but then you know where are they and that just kind of makes homelessness illegal versus actually solving you know the systems right. that, that hold that in place. Um, yeah, it, as a collective society, we've been very good at, and we're taught this too, we're taught just through example to manage the symptoms rather than looking for the oh, root yeah. cause. And really, if we, can, if we can get down to the root cause, which is when we start looking at these much larger issues that we're dealing with as a collective, you know, finding those root issues, it, I don't think we're going to find just one and I yeah. think we're going to find that if each individual gets to their personal root issues, as we have that, it's like the hundred monkey effect that happens as we get that, because what creates the collective individuals create the collective. And so mm-hmm. when we have individuals who are not doing their own inner work, who are not actively looking for their own root causes and looking for that personal change but they're trying to go change the collective there's there's just a little bit of a gap there well and it depends on the situation because it's like I was going to say there's a gap and I'm like well no not always because I'm I'm very good at like these dots will pop up in the mid-sentence for me and it's like well it's Mm -hmm. not 100% true but there's absolutely truth there and so it's I I end up kind of working through this as I'm speaking and so (laughs) Yeah, I can feel a little disjointed sometimes, but it's very much that we're not going to have massive change in the collective unless and until we have individual change as well. And one will inform the other. And if we have mass collective change, like in the way of like new laws being made, if there's a new law that's made that just completely eradicates this, that, or the other, all they're doing is making something wrong. They're not getting to a root right. cause to say, how do we actually make this change? They're trying to eliminate a symptom rather than heal a cause. 
and long term that's not going to work no and so that's why i like the process oriented i think yeah is it's a longer term fix but if you look at at our at our long-term problems like if we'd have if we'd have chosen the long-term fix we might have some solutions versus just kind of continuing to perpetuate the problems in, in different ways this actually right. harkens back to our last conversation around authority um, yeah. because when we're outcome oriented in policies and outcome oriented in how we um, create solutions it's really about and this is why i think none of them seem to work is that we are asking people to give their authority over to this solution that right that, and for some people that solution may benefit them they might be totally online about giving their authority over to that because that makes their life easier but for a lot of people and usually they're the ones who are you know sort of what we call the victims um in this when they're being asked to give their authority over to that it's it's even further victimizing people and sort of yeah. a, a deepening of the trauma because um, yeah. to me one of the deep traumas that we have is um where we have been either forced or compelled or in some other way taught to give away our authority and the whole idea that we have self-determination not in everything that we do because we know we live in in a world where there's you know there's a lot of things going on and so we don't have absolute control over everything that happens to us but we do have a lot more self-volition and ability to navigate the world in a way from our, our own authority than we are taught that we have. You know, we're tend right. to be taught that we need to react and respond versus create and act. Well, you know, that's interesting because you and I are both instigative on that. Okay, spectrum. explain that. So explain there's that instigative and reactive. Mm -hmm. So there's a spectrum one extreme and is instigative and the other extreme is reactive. And we are really very often, especially those of us who have had like low grade chronic trauma from childhood on until we've started doing our own healing work, we end up being in that reactive space. So we are always reacting to what's happening outside of us. Mm -hmm. And some people are wired to do that and it works for them. But that's the whole thing is that if it, if it's getting them results, if they can go, oh, I don't like that thing there, or um, it could be that they see something and go, oh, I want that, or I want something like that. That's a reaction. Whereas instigative actually kind of works the opposite way. So for me, like one of the visuals that I got about instigative is we instigate things to see how the outside world reacts. Oh yeah. So it's like, okay. it's like the inverse is very much about, oh, let's do this and see what happens rather than, oh, in constant reactive mode. Now I have behaved in reactive mm -hmm. mode most of my life. When I realized that at soul level, I'm wired to be instigative. And I started like having these like micro memories pop up of where would be an appropriate place to do it. I mean, it's a very appropriate thing to go and say, Ooh, this is a puddle. What's it going to do if I touch the top of it or if I drop something into it, it's exploration, it's curiosity and nobody or any, nothing's getting hurt. Yeah. And well, you know, so and I think that speaks also then to, 
you know, we're, we're in this, this movement towards self-empowerment. We're in this yeah. movement towards self-authority. But that's going to look different for people like you and I who are curiosity-based and, and instigative-based and people who are natural responders and reactors. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, it's good when, you, when you're around too many people who are, who are like you, which is really <laughs> a wider problem for, for us in general is that we tend to just as a human condition think that everybody is like us and the more right. we're around people who are like us the more we think that's like the way that everybody operates or the way that we're right. all supposed to be so it is good to to remember that um you know we all we come in a wide variety of flavors and yes. the whole process of how do we allow everybody to be true to their to their true nature to who they truly are and support them in their own um, empowerment and authority as we move forward and do that in a way that that helps people but also helps move them um, into a, a greater level of responsibility of self-responsibility and of self-authority mm-hmm. and of self-determination um, and I think that's you know that's it's a that's big work there's like seven billion of us on the planet at this moment and to do that you know, individually, I think is where we need to start with that is to, to step into that personally, but then also to um, hold that wider intention and knowing that everybody comes to this in their own way. Right. And it's easy to get impatient when people doing it are doing it differently than you. And if you're a, an outcome oriented person, you probably spend a lot of your time being impatient with process oriented people. Absolutely. And vice versa. Um, so I think, you know, stepping back and really recognizing within yourself, because this is, I always think that the the path to compassion is self-recognition. So Mm -hmm. to, to, um, recognize in yourself, like where you are, just to come back to our original train train of thought, um, where you are operating in outcome oriented that may not be authentic to you and where it may really be authentic to you. Mm-hmm. And where you are or are not operating in uh, process orientation that may be authentic to you, or are you being forced to do that in a way that's not? But finding where you are with that to help you better have compassion for the process of other people um, and in whatever that is, because if their yeah. process is being outcome oriented, that's still a process because between Absolutely. here and there is a process. Um, right. It's, it's just, just a, a different way different. of operating. Yeah. It just looks different. Yeah. So, Ms. Um, you know, energy wizard, Katie, <laughs> do you have anything that you can offer us um, to help bring in the energy of this or coalesce the energy of this um, for, for us as a way to kind of wind this down? Let me see. Let me just check in a minute here and see. So... Really what I'm feeling, again, is very much that let's bring in creator's highest truth perspective and understanding and bring in a blessing rather than doing a major meditation. So bringing in a blessing for this conversation with creator's highest truth perspective, understanding, and wisdom, and with creator's compassion and kindness, that as we each grow and learn and have awarenesses awaken within us 
as to how we operate and how someone else may operate, that that is really filled with kindness and compassion for ourselves and for one another, and that there's space for all of us. There's space for all of us to operate as we are wired at soul level, and that we may just need to be able to come back into that. Mm-hmm. And also allowing others to operate how they are designed to operate, that there's plenty of space for all of us and we can all do so in harmony. And that as we move more towards this, that the harmony of the collective will increase, that it will reach the collective as we each walk our own journeys and our own paths. Perfect. So yeah, I'm just actually, I'm watching creator bring that in. I'm feeling it land. How about you? I'm feeling it land. And you know that, that space, there's a law. I was just seeing if I could find it really fast because we do do a lot of um, universal law things, but that talks about, you know, the collective as, as you just called it as the gestalt of, of where we are all going collectively as one yeah. because probably the law of one and so this is actually perfect for that because to remember that we are all one and we are moving forward individually mm-hmm. but also as one as a collective as a yeah. gestalt and so creating that space for one another is actually creating space for ourselves mm, um, that's beautiful yes so thank you so very much that's oh, my pleasure these are always so fun I know. We, this is what our personal conversations are like. Only they go on for like three hours. Um, <laughs> so we decide to break them up for you. All right. So you can always find Katie's contact information and all of our conversations on conversationsfromtheedge.net. But Katie, why don't you tell us how people can reach out to you um, specifically and directly? Uh, for direct, you can go to awakentheinnerlight.com and there's a little pop-up that's, um, you know, leave a message, book a session. Um, so you can email me through there or you can find me on Facebook. I have a Facebook page. Uh, it's Awaken the Inner Light. And those would be right. the two ways to get a hold of me. All right, perfect. Well, thank you so much for, for um, the conversation today. It's wonderful talking with you and I'm looking forward to talking again soon. Uh, as always it's a pleasure and I am too thank you this is your host Christine Madeira I hope you've enjoyed this conversation from the edge of consciousness you can find all our conversations at conversationsfromtheedge.net you'll also find links to schedule a private conversation with me or any of my friends as well as tools to help you expand your own consciousness and explore what's possible for you outside the boundaries of your current perceptions Feel free to use this podcast to start your own conversation by sharing it with friends, on social media, in your blog, or even in your own podcast. And as always, live the adventure of pushing your own edge. It's the most amazing adventure there is.